0: You're listening to The Paul Higgins Show, the place for ambitious tech consultants with purpose. After 18 years as a global sales leader and having a successful tech consulting exit, I'm sharing what's working now to transform emerging tech consultants worldwide into trusted consultants that attract the best clients and deliver measurable results. When you're ready to level up your clarity, results, and freedom, begin with the free tech consulting blueprint available at techconsultantsblueprint.com. Imagine this, the economic downturn has led to some client work drying up and some of the projects also are getting tighter. The easy path is to cut costs, but you know you can only do that once. The harder part is to grow the top end of the business. Hello, I'm Paul Higgins and welcome to Paul Higgins Podcast. In this podcast today, Alex, the guest, will talk you through four drivers to increase your revenue in these downturn times. But they're not just things that you do when there's an economic downturn. There's also things that you should be doing consistently, even when times are better. So Alex Bariev is the VP of Consulting at Equiva Labs, one of Salesforce's most experienced product development outsource partners. They assist in designing, developing, building, and maintaining strategic state-of-the-art Salesforce applications for ISV partners, and they also do some direct Salesforce work for end clients as well. Alex is an expert navigator in PDO and also a Summit Salesforce consulting partner. I'll now hand you over to Alex Beriev from Akiva Labs. Fantastic to have you here, Alex.
1: Thank you for having me, Paul.
0: Yeah, really looking forward to talking about the topic at hand because I know it's very topical and it's very mm-hmm. pertinent given the sort of economic environment we're in post-COVID. You know, we're recording this in in sort of the middle of 2023 and this is going to be aired at the end of the year. So hopefully it's got a bit better by the time you listen to it, but I'm not hopeful. I think we're in <laughs> for a bit of a, bit of a downturn for, for a while. But before we get to that part, Why don't we talk about who your ideal client is and what problems you love to solve for them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for having me, Paul. At Akiva Labs, we really have two distinct market buckets that we operate in. It's all within the Salesforce ecosystem, but it's the Salesforce customers, right? Our direct line of business and what are called independent software vendors, ISVs that build their solution on the Salesforce platform. Since it's quite rare to find a customer or client that fits both, at the same time, we really separate what our ICP is for two markets. Right? For our direct business, it's the our ideal client is kind of mid to large size enterprise that are heavily invested in Salesforce. They recognize the power of the platform to drive their business forward, and those are the organizations that really manage to harness the platform's ability to optimize their sales, their services, marketing, customer operations, and so forth. And for our ISV customers, it's really somebody who's looking to launch, develop, launch, and support their application on the Salesforce platform. Ideally, their entire business is built on it, which is a separate section of yes. that space called OEMs.
0: Yeah, great. And and obviously, you're on the Salesforce direct customer side of the business doing the consulting?
1: I'm on both. I oversee both of our lines of okay. business. I actually, majority of my career was spent on the ISV side of business, but I've been a Salesforce customer my whole life and I did direct implementations in my previous life. And uh, so, yeah, I, I have my hand in both my teams. I have two separate practices that I oversee and we do both.
0: Yeah. And just to give you a perspective, you know, listening to Alex, a perspective of the size of the business, you know, how many, what's your head count? How many employees do you have currently?
1: Akiva has just over 200 employees at this point. About 150 to 160 are what I would call our billable resources. Historically, we've run quite lean on the overhead and we try to keep it that way.
0: Yeah, great. Well, let's. that might be a good entry point into the topic. As I said in the intro or the start, you know, the economy's pretty tight and everyone's all looking at different ways to improve their profitability. Right. And we briefly spoke about this before we went to air. There's you know, normally the revenue side or there's the the cost side. They're the, the two sides of the P&L. You can focus on the top and the bottom. And you suggested that you're focusing more on the top than the bottom. What does that currently look like for you guys?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you're spot on, right? For a lot of companies, a lot of our customers even had to kind of solve the problem of bottom and top of the PNL, and we were no different. We went back to kind of what made us the company we are today, and we started focusing more on our customers and kind of recognizing, you know, there's one thing that I always tell my teams: we're partners, we're not vendors. I don't want to position us as a vendor, and Really historically, we've only had one route for our leads, and that was coming from Salesforce directly to us. You know, it was a lot of partner-led growth that way, continue to diversify. And one of the channels that has been very successful for us this year specifically is referrals, right? We do a good job. We upfront say that like, hey, if we do a good job, we would love to get a referral from you. And as your network Moves places, and there's a lot of moving going on now. Opportunities arise, and because we lean back into doing great for our customers, our customers pay us back that way.
0: Yeah, great. So, so I'll just uh, touch on the first bit. A lot of people, well, a lot of you listening right now may be too small to get leads from vendor, whether it's Salesforce, HubSpot, Zoho, NetSuite, whoever, right? I know a lot of you in that place, but where you guys had built a lot of your growth using Salesforce as the catalyst. What sort of brought around the change to say, hey, we may have all our eggs in one basket here?
1: Absolutely. The way that Akiva was born, our first market that we focused on were were ISVs. And within that space, there's a program within Salesforce called PDO, Product Development Outsourcer. It was a relatively new program at the time. Nobody really knew about it. And there are just not many people, not many consulting Companies that were going into because a lot of the engagements were not your two five million dollar digital transformation type of engagements, but they're more like hundred and two hundred k MVP builds, which you know we were small at that time, but for a company our size you know they don't survive too long on such type of engagements and in general, what happened to us is within the niche that is salesforce consulting, we found another niche which is Salesforce consulting and building products for ISVs specifically that go to AppExchange. It requires a separate skill set. The market is there, and for where we were at the time, it was perfect because we were able to move in fast. There were a couple of incumbents there, but we were able to get ourselves very close to that space and kind of stay there till now. It was a lot of effort, but still continuing to pay dividends.
0: Yeah, got it. And then on the referrals, so the first, I suppose. Focus was on referrals. You know, where is the best point to ask that question? So, you know, you told us the question, but where is it best to ask it?
1: It's a very good question because there's a specific like framework that we use to do it. And perfect consultative answers. It depends, right? A lot of the time, we start priming for that question early on. What has shown success recently is during a successful QBR is a good time to ask for a referral, because most of the time, you know, executive type of uh, stakeholders are involved. Those are the people that probably talk with other executives, they know what who has similar problems, they tend to be willing to provide a referral. Same with the main stakeholder who's portraying good light to their stakeholder, you do a good job, they tend to be willing to refer you it actually happens quite often that just by planting the seed, that we will ask for referrals, people will just start referring us proactively, which is fantastic.
0: Yeah, great. And and do you ask for one? Do you ask for as many as they can? You know, what's the structure is how many you ask for?
1: So we don't ask for a specific number. What we try to do a good job of is to kind of don't leave any homework on our customer's plate for when it's time to provide the referral, which we define quite well what we do, how we do it, quite transparent about what is a good customer for us and we don't want to boil the ocean that way right so like we want our customer to be able to know like hey if something smells like a dog quacks like a dog and walks like a dog and Akiva specializes in dogs I should refer Akiva yeah
0: yeah I think that's uh, so important it's also if you're working with strategic partners so it might not be your vendor but you're working with other people to make that as easy as possible for them to To send you those referrals. So, totally. totally Exactly. So, we've got referrals. What other sources of of leads to drive that top line have you worked on?
1: Yeah. And it's somewhat close to referrals. Referrals are a bit more reactive that way. We don't, I'm not going to say what we call it internally because it won't make a ton of sense for everybody. But I think of it as kind of proactive referrals where we will identify a few prospects that are close enough to what our ICP is. And we, at this point, you know, we're at a key where we have enough people to where it's quite rare, where we don't have some kind of a LinkedIn connection to an ICP or like a buyer, the ICP or something of that sort. We try to identify the right person. We try to reach out to our connections to introduce us. So it's a direct motion, but it's direct through somebody you already know. And that tends to work quite well as well.
0: Right, and the person that's doing the referral—is there any skin in the game for them, or is it just the goodness of their heart that they're doing the referral?
1: As of right now, it's from the goodness of their heart. We are trying to implement a referral partner program, where it's a bit of a work in progress at this point. But the current idea is to provide like consulting credits, right? Like, hey, if you know this closes, we'll give you ten thousand dollars of consulting hours that you can use with us as a thank you for us there.
0: Yeah, and and I think. One quick tip for you to listen to Alex's view on proactive referrals is I have a field in my sales CRM and it's called circle. And what that circle is, is who does this person know really well within the industry, right? I I deal exclusively with tech consultants. So within that, that industry, and it's always great to then go back and you've already got that information without trying to go back into LinkedIn and dig it. So as you always ask someone, who's your peer group? You know, who do you, so every sales call always say, you know, who's your peer group? Who do you talk to, et cetera? So then I can always come back to that. And that's in my sales serum. So it's a simple custom field, but it's one that's uh, worth setting up. So we talk referrals, we talk proactive referrals. What's the next one?
1: Direct outreach. It's not every time that there's a connection. It doesn't happen too often these days, but, you know, we will identify somebody we think would be our buyer. And, you know, we have those personas defined quite well. And we will start what I call value bombarding them. It's thought pieces, you know, podcast. It's you know, here's what has come out in Salesforce Service Cloud and the last release. This might be relevant for you because of this, this, and this. We try to actually have a value bombarding instead of just marketing cold outreach. I think, especially with the rise of AI, I know I get a lot of emails. I'm, I'm like, all right, that sounds true, but they're coming out very quickly, like three times a day, and it's like a two-person startup, I start to doubt whether it's real. So, you know, you have like a healthy dose of skepticism. So we try to avoid that. We try to send like recordings of like, if we have a couple of people speaking at Dreamforce, which is a big Salesforce conference, the biggest one of the year. We try to send recordings of that or webinars or something of that sort where it's clear that it's authentic.
0: And, and when do you ask permission to send that? Like just take us through, even if you can take us through, you know, an example without using names, yeah. Tell us where you're asking permission to be actually sent that information.
1: Absolutely. Most of the time we will send that information kind of in a wide net. And I actually like to start like a level below where our decision maker is. It's people that normally don't get bombarded with, you know, like, Hey, let's talk. It could be a LinkedIn connection. It could be. Close enough again, connection to might have talked a couple of years ago. You know, Akiba has been around for over seven years at this point. We have run into a lot of these customers. Some people run into trade shows, some have come to our like happy hours and co sponsored events with Salesforce. So there's always like some degree of connection. I would say it's rare that we explicitly ask for permission to send. The content over but nobody has sent me an email saying like why are you sending this to me yet so i think it's working okay
0: yeah yeah and look there's different approaches i certainly always just use the open question so open i think is one of the most powerful words in Mm -hmm. that outreach and are you open to receiving whatever the value is in their odds are to, mm-hmm. to put that in so that's right and when you're doing this outreach is it like you mentioned is it on linkedin is it on you know is it uh email is it phone call is it sms is it all of those depending on the situation
1: it's email most of the time that can be a bit more automated and put in the cadence and we use salesforce for that What used to be called Pardot. if it's like what i would call a hot prospect that doesn't know that they're a prospect yet I like going through LinkedIn. route. chances are we're either connected or connected close enough, and then we can reach out whether with in mail or just show our interest. The type of business that we're in, especially focusing on you know mid to large size enterprises, I mean there's plenty of Salesforce customers, but it allows you to put the effort into I like talking to five prospects in the week rather than seven hundred, putting that personal touch works quite well.
0: All right, great. So we've done referrals, proactive referrals, outreach. What's the next one?
1: Just continue investing in the... So the other two, what we call our lead routes, are focused on the... Again, they're indirect routes, which are really what has gotten us to the point where we're at. It's leads from Salesforce. So that's we just separate those into our ISV business and our direct business as well. Got you. So So it's going to Salesforce Tower, doing lunch and learns. It's making sure that you are building out your network. If you're working with an enterprise customer, they either have like an account executive or account director from Salesforce and your success there will be their success there. Hopefully at that point asking like, hey, can you introduce me to your regional vice president? And that's where a lot of that magic happens where they can identify like, hey, in my patch I also have company Y because you did such a nice job with company X. Please like talk to company Y. And those are fantastic leads for us.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And talking to Alex, Bari, uh, we started the conversation with there's two ways in a downturn to really grow your profitability. There's the top of the PL and and the bottom. So my view, and this was ingrained in me when I was at Coca-Cola, is you can only go to the bottom, which is the cost out once, right? And it's finite. There's only so much cost that you can take out of the business and there's no more to do. Whereas on the, the revenue side, that's infinite. And the other thing is, if you focus on the revenue side, those things are then deployable when times are good as well, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas when times are good, you've already trimmed all your costs. You've got no more things to do. So I think it's, I fully endorse what Alex is saying, which is focus on the top line is much better. Yes, you're going to focus on some of the trimming of the costs, right? I'm not saying don't do that. I think focus on the top line. And as you said, we've really worked on four key things, which is, you know, Referrals and uh, remember to keep that circle the proactive referrals, the outreach, and also, you know, using your partner, which is uh, Salesforce. Just on that, have you got any partners or strategic relationships outside of Salesforce themselves?
1: A few. uh, They're more so like adjacent services to what we offer. A lot of times it's go to market support right my team is relatively fairly small and the consultants that can help with go to market side especially for ISVs they tend to be pretty booked a long time in advance so we have a few partnerships that are they focus more on the particular subset of services that we provide and that's all they do so we tend to bring them in it could be things like go to market support, UI UX design, product management, fractional alliance management and things like that.
0: Yeah, great. And I know this is a little bit as a different topic, but with the ISVs, you know, you've worked with so many of them. Is there any particular marketing strategies that are working better for them at the moment to get more customers?
1: Yeah, I would say so. I think in general, I've found myself repeating the CFO is the new CEO a lot. And that kind of fits in with the narrative that Salesforce has been pushing this year. It's a lot of optimization, efficiency, operating efficiency. It's something that a lot of products can really be marketed whichever way you want them to be marketed, like increasing the top line or reducing the bottom line or increasing the bottom line. And it's uh, the ones that I have seen do well this year and even last year are the ones that focus on like, hey, here's the clear ROI from us. And it's good payment structure or something that sort of works quite well and but marketing to like cfos and focusing on roi works
0: yeah Brand. all right well what we're going to do now is go on into the rapid fire section so i'm going to ask you four questions and get your rapid fire answers you ready for that let's do it okay great alex so the first one is what are some of the daily habits that you do that helps you drive a quiver
1: um discipline and consistency are key so every day i try to prioritize what tasks need to be done and they should be the high impact activities, making sure that my team is up to speed. And as we're in a system building mode today, which is something new to me, but try to allocate as much of my time to build systems as possible. And that has been the focus.
0: Right. And where do you go to find out more about growing the business?
1: Absolutely. I rely a lot on my mentors and my network. I have quite a few people I would consider my mentors to various degrees, but it's a lot of been there, done that type of mentorship. A lot of times it's have an idea. Can you help me validate it? And that has worked out really well in general. In one sense, I try to be the dumbest person in the room. So finding those rooms has been paramount.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And the next one is if we could grant you one wish for Akiva Labs, what would that be?
1: (laughs) a great question how about a hefty infusion of some interesting high margin recurring revenue engagements
0: <laughs> i love the high margin and recurring i think that's what yeah. we're all after so that that's great so I'll, uh, I'll cue that up for you and the last one is you said uh, around seven years and you've been in the ecosystem longer than that what do you know now that you wish you had have known earlier
1: Really the value of systems and like that substrate independent knowledge. Again, like I mentioned, spent a lot of my time building out system today at Akiva. And I wish we spent more time last year, two years ago, three years ago, to not silo the knowledge. And it's surprisingly easy to do, as we found out.
0: Yeah. And the good thing now is if you do get it in the right database. Well, now we've got the power, more and more of AI that's going to allow you to access that. So you know, exactly. do the hard work now, which is getting it set up for when it's going to be easy to access it. So look, it's Brian. Now, Brian, having you on, Alex, I really enjoy your four key things that you shared with us who uh, are growing in a downturn. And uh, I'll put the links to the website and also your profile in the show notes so you can reach out and thank Alex. But uh, from, thank yeah, you, from all of us here, Uh, Thanks for coming on the Paul Higgins show.
1: Really appreciate it, Paul. Thank you for having me.
0: That was a great interview with Alex. And I know that the themes, you've probably heard of the four themes, but I think the way that he articulated and did some of the things are great. And also it shows you what you should set up in your system and really use that network, I think is the key message for all of us out of that one. If you really enjoyed it, please reach out to Alex on LinkedIn and also share on your LinkedIn what you learned. It's a nice way to thank Alex for coming on the show, but it's also a great way that you can help your peers. And also, why don't you reach out to those peers and share it with them? They'll think you're an absolute rock star for doing so. Also, don't forget to check out our solo shows and I'll see you next time on the Paul Higgins Podcast for quick and simple ways to grow your tech consulting business and live more of the life you want now. Time for action. Subscribe, comment, and let me know what you like best about this episode. Plus, get your exclusive show extras and growth action guides for subscribers only. Visit techconsultantsblueprint.com.